You're listening to No Cherry on Top with Shannon Renee and Michelle. Welcome to our first episode of No Cherry on Top. I'm Renee and my co-host Michelle. And today we're just going to give you a little bit of like how we met and a little bit of history about ourselves so you can get to know us a little bit before we go on this journey with all of you. Um, my name is, my full name is Shannon Renee. Um, I met Michelle, uh, we crossed paths in life and, uh, we were soulmates. I felt like when we met each other. Absolutely. The universe absolutely brought us together. And, uh, I will let her tell you a little bit about how we met. Okay. So my life kind of took a big detour and, I mean, maybe it wasn't a detour because I got to meet so many amazing people like Shannon, Um, but I lost my job during COVID and I needed to make some money. So I started cleaning houses and that's how Shannon and I, she's one of my customers and that's how we met. So I always thought like, I mean, obviously that was never part of my plan, to, uh, you know, never part of the plan to, uh, you know, have a cleaning business, but here I am. And, um, you know, it's been an exciting journey. I, uh, I immediately, um, I, I've always been leery about having someone come clean my house because I actually used to have a cleaning business of my own as well. So that's probably one of the ways that Michelle and I clicked. And the first time she came in my house, I, uh, I just knew that she was the person and I trusted her immediately. Like I said, it was almost like we were like soulmate friends, like meant to happen. Um, She just had like a really beautiful energy about her. She was a genuine person and she, you know, did things the way that I like, which is um, I'm going to be honest. I'm very picky. I think she can tell you that (laughs) most of the time looking at my house, but she does immaculate. (laughs) She does. She does everything like the way I like it. Matter of fact, we had a conversation because we're such good friends that we go out for drinks sometimes. Mm -hmm. And she said, do you hide stuff around your house? I'm like, what are you talking about? She was like, I don't know. It's just always, I feel like it's clean. I feel like maybe you hide something. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, hell no, girl. I'm not going to do that shit. Like, I mean. I'm always leery of the really clean ones that there's something hidden to see if I catch it or not. Nothing hidden. But then like, um, you know, she came into this. The more that we talked, it seemed like, you know, besides the house cleaning, which I like, you know, first off. I don't ever introduce her as my housekeeper. I'm like, she's my friend. Um, She comes to parties and I'm like, Michelle, this is like your marketing floor. Like, get it, sister, because I'm not going to be like, and they're like, oh, how do you meet her? I'm like, she's just a friend of mine. You know, I met her when we moved here. I'm not like, and she's my, and people are like, oh, you're so sweet. I'm like, how's that being sweet? That's just like being real. Like, I mean, I feel like your profession shouldn't define you like as a person. No. I don't, I just, and I didn't, I never, ever, ever, like as a woman, that's like one of the big things about this. You'll see as we go on, I think with this journey with this podcast is that Michelle and I are huge advocates for like supporting women. 100%. Like you should, I mean, just in society anymore, I feel like that women, um, 
they're way too competitive and mm -hmm. not supported enough of one another. So, you know, we ended up finding that we had a lot in common. Um, she's a mother. I'm a mother. We both love our kids. We both love our kids immensely. Um, we would do anything for them, mm -hmm. even if they're, you know, wrong and a-holes at times. <laughs> um, the majority of the time. <laughs> I mean, we'll speaking do, from my own, I mean, no, no, trust me. I mean, everybody has that kid. Um, mm. I mean, I have a couple of those kids because mm. I have five and I got three grandkids and Michelle's about ready to be a grandmother. Yep. May 18th. So what are you, exciting. What are you going to go by? I am going by Mimi. Mimi? Yes. Okay, I'm Gigi. Mimi, yep. My sister's a Mimi. I like that. So my daughter, her grandma is Gigi. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yep, her grandma is Gigi and her grandfather is Sir. Is she Is she nice? Um, She's... Um, she's okay. I'm, she's, I'm the, I'm the cool Gigi. Let's yeah, just say that. No, for Hannah, um, she's wonderful. Both her and Good. her sir are absolutely amazing. Now, See, as and a that's all that matters. As a mother-in-law. No, I get that. <laughs> we have stories. <laughs> I get that. No, I totally get that. I feel the same way. It's kind of like, um, you know, I feel the same. My ex-mother-in-law, me and her don't get along at all. Mm -hmm. Um, my current mother-in-law, we don't get along at all, but if they love my kids and that's, yeah. that's all that matters I, I at the end of the day. As a, for a grandparent, for my daughter, I couldn't have asked for anything better. That's awesome. Yeah. So let's give them a little bit of like what we bonded on, like how we, <laughs> I, uh, there's so many things. So many things. I mean, I think honestly, the biggest thing is, and how we even got talking about these subjects. <laughs> oh, okay. So I think we started I was kind of on a healing journey at the time. Yes. And it is amazing how the universe puts specific people on your path when you ask it to put the right people on your path. Um, because I was starting to get into crystals. I was starting to get into healing. And I started noticing crystals and healing books and all that kind of stuff. She walked into the crystal haven. In yes. And that's kind of how our conversation started. And it kind of just grew from that. I started asking about the crystals and about the, the books that you had. And, you know, I wanted to learn more and I wanted to, you know, learn about crystals. And you were, you know, you gave me some guidance on that. And then I think that's kind of when um, we started talking about deeper things. Yes. Yes. I agree. Like I remember you were asking me all kinds of questions about crystals. I've gotten you a few. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that I, I actually, I'm very intuitive. And when you were asking about that, I think that I kind of surprised you because I knew things about your life and your childhood mm -hmm. and your relationships that you were kind of like taken back for a minute. Like, how do you know that? Mm -hmm. And, um, I feel like it was probably just because I knew that we were kindred spirits, that mm -hmm. we had lived kind of the same life. Yes. And um, we did. We got talking after that, and we started talking about um, our childhood and um, why we were interested in energies and stuff as opposed to religious and, you know, ritualistic stuff like that. And uh, it just kind of went from there. And we would get together and um, Michelle's been divorced. I've been divorced. You know, like we said, we have the kids, grandkids. Um, and the more we spoke, I think the more we felt that we had in common as well. Like 
growing up, like the experiences we had with our mother. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, fathers and ex-husbands and things like that. I just feel like um, that's where it all kind of came together. Like, wow, we were definitely put on this path, like (laughs) to cross. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, to intersect. I mean, 100%. So let's just start with mothers, Michelle. Oh, let's gosh. let's since we have to pick a topic here, we can't go through everything. Our childhoods, Ooh. our you know, how everything. much time do we have? I mean, we have as much time as you want. <laughs> oh, this could be. <laughs> but we can always start today and have yes. a have a you know let's get a continuation. Let's yes. do it. Let's get into it. Tell us a little bit about your mother and your relationship childhood with her. So my mother. Um, she had a pretty traumatic, uh, growing up and, um, in all of that trickled straight down to her relationship with my brother and I, um, she married, um, she was married to my dad and, um, you know, that was a very rocky from her, um, from her telling the story was very rocky. He, you know, cheated on her he, you know, it, it, it wasn't, um, it wasn't good. And she was pretty much left raising two small children. And, um, you know, I think she was just very, very overwhelmed. She was extremely abusive to me. And, um, and, you know, growing up, she, you know, continued to be abusive. She lied um, she lied in situations to make herself look better. And, um, so I always looked like a liar. Yeah. Um, you know, there was, she married this man. He was an alcoholic. He was a drug addict. Um, he had a high paying job, you know, was respected in the church because, you know, I'm sure they gave their 10% tithing, um, well, and people like that, they're, they always have a facade that they got to keep on outside the home. Oh yeah. I feel like. And then in our house, there was massive abuse going on. You know, I would run away. I would try to tell anybody. Who, yeah. You're the more cries for help. Yeah. I would try, you know, I would tell anybody who would listen and then my mom would completely lie about it. Um, CPS was called on occasions and, you know, investigated and she would get the church. It was a church school. So all the people that were involved in the church were involved, were the teachers at the school. And, you know, they all believed what she was telling them. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like, that's a classic situation as mm-hmm. adult against child. I think, you know, I, I oh, experienced yeah. the same thing with oh. my mother. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and that's, this is where we really connect because mm-hmm. although our situations were a little bit different, um, my mother had me at 15 years old. Um, my father was 17 and then when he was 21, he got murdered, but my mother, um, she didn't really raise me until my grandmother passed away when mm-hmm. I was six, when she had to, because mm-hmm. my family was very big family and religious too. And it was, uh, it was very, uh, they didn't want my mother to be seen. She was had a child out of wedlock, and right, right. They were old school. My grandmother was a great woman. Um, I, I think that was the first real 
I didn't really, you know, understand what was happening with my dad when he passed away, but my grandmother was like my stability, I Mm -hmm. felt like. And, you know, my mother, um, she spiraled downhill real quick after having me. She was always, she was the last of 11 kids. My grandmother had her at 40. So she was all, you know, she felt like she was neglected and Mm -hmm. stuff too, you know, probably like, you know. Right. I think I feel like like with your mother and with my mother, it's just uh, hurt people hurt people. Right. Right. You know, they, you know, they, they don't, if you don't deal with it, it it's, it's like a, it, it's just generations upon generations of right. the same crap. Right. Um, and I think that's where we bonded as well, mm-hmm. because that was like, we don't want that for our children. No, no, we don't want that for our children. We don't want that for our grandchildren. We got to like figure out what to do with ourselves because, you know, I understand we're not sitting here blaming our parents because we're fully responsible for our actions, but we didn't know the materials or weren't raised with the materials in order to do that. We've been having to navigate that on our own. Oh, a hundred percent. And I, you know, um, so that's one thing I want everybody to know is like, yes, we're fully responsible, but there, but you know, no matter what happens to you in life and the way you are raised, those ideologies and those rituals and different things that you're raised with, like, no matter how much, like, help you get or changing you get, those are always old tapes that are back there. You oh, know, it's always like, it has taken me so many years, like for so many years, it was a constant conversation in oh, my yeah. head of going back and like replaying yeah. all of those things that were said, all of those things that were done. And also as a child wondering what you did wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you ever sit there and just sit there and think like what, you know, in those situations I felt, I, I mean, I personally felt like that's why I'm asking you is like, what did I do? Right. Well, like for my mother to act that way or for, for my, you know, for whoever at that time that I was in their household that was raising me because I was in different mm-hmm. places But I always seem to get put somewhere where I'm like, what did I do? Right. Well, you know, for me, it was, you know, you are looking, you are being, you know, like you're in this church environment and you're supposed to be a certain way. Yes. And, you know, you don't lie. You don't do all these things. And then your mother is. You're watching them do it. To all these people. You're trying to tell the truth and you're trying to say, this is happening to me. Hypocritical. No one believes you. So you look like a liar. You look like you're crazy. And I think you start to like, you start to question yourself. You do. Like, is this stuff happening? Um, you know, I, I would, you know, try to help. I'm seeing this abuse going on in my house and I'm trying to, you know, it was a lot of that abuse was targeted at my brother and he was younger my stepdad. than you. Yes. He's five years. So you felt, you felt somewhat like responsible for him. I really you? did. Yeah, I felt, I get that. but then they pitted us. They, yeah, they pitted, create the triangle. They, pitted us against each other yes. because they had it. They couldn't keep us together with getting our story straight. Right. Then they had to keep us thinking that we were the crazy ones, that we were lying, that this is all lies. Right. And then I had two stepsisters that would come into the house like every other weekend mm-hmm. and they were favored. They yeah. were like, you know, cause they, they would go back and tell their mom. And I know that at one point their mother called my dad, my real dad, and said something really bad is going on. My girls are coming home and saying this stuff is happening. And 
you know, then my mom's like, oh, she's a liar. She makes all this stuff up. There, you know, it was just constant, like literally growing up in constant turmoil. Yeah. And that never leaves you. No. I still deal with that. It on, makes you it makes you question everybody that you come in contact with for the rest of your life. I'm constantly whether they're yes. they're you can trust them or not. Yep. I feel that one hundred percent. I'm constantly in a state of fight or flight. Yes. And it, it has caused me so many health issues and um I, I feel that. That I'm working on. See, through. mine mine is mine is either mine is either like isolate or fight. Mm-hmm. Like I, sometimes I have the energy to fight and then other times I just like shut down mm-hmm. and I honestly feel like I disassociate. Oh, a hundred percent. Like I would rather sit in my dark bedroom binge watching Netflix than have to like even look at another person in the face. You just described my life. Like that's me. Uh, yeah. My friends call. Why have we never talked about this? Because <laughs> you see me and like you come on the days and like you're working, you know, and like we, we see each other in passing stuff. And then like we don't even know that about each other, that we go home and crawl in our rooms in a dark hole so that we don't have to like like people anymore. Mm-hmm. Literally. Um, I no. mean, that's but that's what that type of childhood does to you. I totally get it. Like mine, mine was mine was very similar. My mom was in and out of relationships with men that abused her, um, that sexually and physically abused me, but she was so far gone at times that she had no idea what they were doing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I still tell people, I, I think part of my healing process and what I, what I say is that she did the best she could mm-hmm. with, you know, am I still upset about, am I still dealing with stuff? Yeah. But I have to look at it that she was an injured person mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And with what resources she had, which was very little, she did the best she could. But, you know, I, I still look at men in a certain way and like they're angry. You know, I'm angry, mm-hmm. you know. So I have a little dog down here. He's like really <laughs> upset. Needing some attention. Come here, Mr. Man. We have the dog here. Come here, buddy. Now, um, you know, it's interesting because I do not feel that my mom did the absolute best she could because she knew what she went through and she would talk, you know, oh, I would never be that parent. I would never do that to you. I would, but she was doing it. She was doing the same exact thing. She would say, oh, my mother always would put her stepchildren she would go do this for that stepchild and not do it for me. Well, my mom did the same exact thing to my brother and I. She put the needs of her two stepdaughters way before my brother and I. I think my mom did the same thing with my step sibling. Well, with my one stepsister. But then when my brothers came along that she had with my stepdad, it was my stepsister and I. And they ended up having two boys and the boys were completely favored. Like it was totally a sexist household. Like we were supposed to do all the chores. We were supposed to do everything. Mm -hmm. And the boys were put on some type of pedestal. And, you know, we basically had to clean up after them and take care of them. And, you know, I had my first half sibling. I shouldn't say my first half sibling because my dad had two other kids before he was murdered. But like with my mother... Um, it was a, my first half sibling was born a day before my 10th birthday. And, uh, 
my mother had been clean and sober for a total of 18 years. And then she fell off the wagon. And, you know, I had my brothers a lot. I took care of my stepsister. Um, I was the oldest of, you know, the kids. So I was always taking on the role of Mm -hmm. mothering, basically, like, because my mom chose to go work outside the house. Honestly, she didn't have to. Money wise, um, my stepdad would have taken care of it. Um, Mentally wise, I was glad that she was out of the house. Yeah. I mean, it was one of those things. Oh, yeah. It was like, please uh, go to work, go away. Oh, 100%. So my, and the same with him. Like mm-hmm. my stepdad, it was like like they were both just like complete nutballs. Yeah. It, and then they would blame me for everything. Like they would look at me and be like, you're the example for your siblings. Like, like everything that my siblings did wrong was my fault. Like as parents, they didn't take any accountability for it. Yeah. It, um, so my mom stayed, was a stay at home after she met, um, her, her second husband and, you know, she stayed at home. And I think that that kind of, you know, I think she had struggled so much, um, before that and trying to, you know, meet ends and, you know, you know, just trying to keep it together that when he came into the picture, you know, she was able to stay home. You know, we went to this private school. Um, you know, we had a lake house. Like she had all these things. And I think I honestly feel she turned her head. Um, she she looked the other way at was what was going on so she could keep her lifestyle. And also right. she dug herself into such a hole that, oh, he's so wonderful. He's so great. He does. He's so good to these kids. And it was all just, it was all just a well, lie. She was telling herself those lies to oh, make yeah. herself feel better about yeah. what she was doing. My mom did the same thing because what had happened with my stepdad now is that his father was sexually abusing me and my stepsister. Ugh. And, you know, um, I would cry and say I didn't want to go walk his dog and stuff. And they would mm-hmm. tell me I was being disrespectful. And, mm-hmm. that, you know, like I would act out like extremely mm-hmm. like I'm talking about same as you, like running away um, drinking alcohol at mm-hmm. 11 years old to where I didn't have to feel what I was feeling. Yep. And they just labeled me as like a shit kid. Oh, that's how- like I was a horrible child, you know, like and and how horrible for me to represent their family like this. Mm-hmm. And I made them look bad. It was never about like what was really going on with mm-hmm. me. Oh, I um, I would get expelled from school. Yeah. So there were 13 kids in my graduating class. I think there were 50 kids in my whole high school. Oh, wow. Like it was like, it was cultish. Like, I don't know. I hate, have nothing good to say about like my experience. Um, See, in school was my outlet. Mm-hmm. I went to public schools. I had teachers that loved me. I was an honor roll student. And my mom didn't, my, my parents didn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. I came home playing the viola and they asked me if I knew how to play that song far, far away. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't know that song because I was really kind of, I was very book smart, but kind of dingy. And they were like, no, like go play that motherfucker far, far away. Those were their exact words. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, was legit trying to play an instrument. Like I felt like really proud about it. Like Mm -hmm. I was happy. And they were like, play that motherfucker far, far away. (laughs) And I was like, "Um, okay. So I never played my viol at home again. (laughs) (laughs) And this is how I have to get through life by laughing about this stuff because it was really fucked up. It's really inside. You just want to cry. You yeah. do. You do. It's like really messed up. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, and, and those relationships that we had as children Mm -hmm. set us up for the first relationships Oh yeah. For our partners. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. You know, like it's, it's one of those things that like, I don't even know as, I mean, as a parent, I looked at that now, but I don't know if my, if my mother looked at that, Mm -hmm. like if she thought, Hey, I'm molding this child for the rest of the relationships and how she deals with them for the rest of her life. Oh yeah. I, I, I definitely don't think. Yeah. I mean, it, it it really has taken me a long time. I mean, trust me, my daughter has not come out of my trauma unscathed. Oh no, um, at all. One hundred. I none of my kids have either. It and, and I feel really horrible. My oldest son, that you know, is thirty. He's he's finishing up his master's in social work. I mean. I know part of that has to do with he's what healing he's himself. Went, yeah. Healing yeah. himself. And like, please like, and he works with women who have been abused, mm-hmm. you know, mentally, physically, sexually. Mm-hmm. And, um, I really believe that part of his mission for doing that is because of me. Right. Right. I mean, you know, cause he had to live through all that with me. So I totally get it. Right. But I think the best thing that like we're doing now is that we're showing our kids that, we're really trying to be different people and we're trying to break those, that generational trauma yep. um, and be better people. But it's almost like we're navigating that alone right? until we find people like us and we're like, oh, hey, there's more of us out there right. and we can actually talk through these things together because mm-hmm. I feel like it's stuff that people, you know, we all want to ignore the fact that you know, our mommy issues or our daddy issues really mm-hmm. affect us throughout life. It, they really do. <laughs> and it it is interesting how um, when you have those traumas, how you attract oh, you other attract, people it's that not, are it's, going it's through that It's the attraction. Mm-hmm. To me, like these are the things I look at. It's it's the people I attract. Mm-hmm. And it's not only that, it's, it's perception. Mm-hmm. It's how you perceive it. Right, right. You know, it's the attractions and the perception. Right. Um, Because even though you don't want to attract certain people, mm-hmm. um, I know that you know this and I, I know this from experience, but we we attract the same people that our parents are. We attract narcissists. Mm-hmm. And we attract... Uh, yeah, my, you know. uh, my husband, <laughs> my ex-husband. Yes. Yeah, yeah. so uh-huh. we attract those kind of people and... It's because, you know, and and I actually had to have this talk with my oldest daughter because she has daddy issues. I'm like, you know, um, part of that is because of, you know, your daddy issues. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I, I'm not saying that to be an ass. I'm saying that because I feel this. Mm-hmm. You know, I lost my dad at a young age, but I have mommy issues. So I'm always, you know. I, I was a people pleaser. I still am. Oh, I'm, I'm trying to fight 100% it. 100% right here. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, you know how hard that is when you're mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm going to set boundaries and I'm going to do this. And, and, you know, you tell yourself that and you're on this path and then you meet this person that, you know, pulls you in. Yep. And then when you get too close, like, you can't hurt see. Feelings. Yeah, you, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Yeah, we're mm-hmm. always afraid of hurting someone else mm-hmm. because of our childhood traumas. Yep. Because we never want people to feel the pain that we felt. Right. That's that's the truth. Right. 100%, that's the truth. A hundred percent. Because it's because I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. No. Mm-mm. I wouldn't. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's the other thing we have in common is that we're genuinely loving people. Mm-hmm. And we want to help others. Mm-hmm. But what 
what we run into throughout our lives that there's a lot of people that are just energy vampires and are going to be a leech on you as long as they can. Exactly. And And we attract that. Yep. And take advantage. And, (laughs) you know, I think part of, um, you know, part of my trauma and healing and, you know, wanting to just kind of lock yourself in your room and not deal with people is that, I don't know. I pick up a lot of people's energy. I do too. And I take that on myself and it is so draining. It is so draining. And that's the thing is like being raised the way we were and with all of our younger, you know, childhood stuff, like we just have to, I, I think that this is something that we need to tell our listeners is that it's okay to detach sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you need that quiet time. Yep in order to regulate your own nervous system, right? Like that you need that time so that you can go ahead and take on other challenges of Mm -hmm. the next day. And I think that's where we need to tell people and it should be okay to tell people that, but I know that you don't. And I know that I don't No, you know, we're just like, Oh, sorry, I didn't get back to you. Mm -hmm. I know, like, I know you're the same way I am like, Oh, I'm sorry for the late response. Like, because we're too busy at that moment. Right. Trying to regulate our nervous system, trying to bring us back down from the energy that we've absorbed. Right. And, you know, it's interesting. I wasn't expecting that we're going to go into this. So, (laughs) like, just jump into it today. But I read something over the weekend and it was, you know, talking about people that have gone through the same situations that we've gone through in childhood. You become, um, you know, you pick up everybody's energy because you become so um, hypersensitive yes. to, because you don't know what's going to happen next. It's a, it's a defense. Right. Um, as a child, you like, you hear every noise. Like I yes. literally, I can hear a car door close Yes, and nobody else hears it. But I can hear people chewing. Yes. Oh my gosh. That freaks me out sometimes. I'm like, do you have to chew so loud? I know. But you pick up your, you're hypersensitive to sounds. You're hypersensitive to, um, new situations where you can come off as very standoffish, but you just, you, you don't feel safe walking into, I don't feel safe walking into new situations that I'm not familiar with. Right. Well, and I think that's where we get misread a lot mm-hmm. as well as women is that I've been told lots of times that I'm intimidating and it's not that I'm intimidating. It's this, let's, let's be for real. That person is feeling intimidated I'm usually scared Mm -hmm. and I'm unsure of a situation. Right. So I think that my detachment makes, could possibly promote someone's feeling of me being intimidating. Right. But I'm not at that point being intimidating. I'm actually one of the most like loving down to earth Mm -hmm. people. Like I, I go out of my way to try to not make people feel unwanted or displaced or, you know, any, anything like I want people to feel part of wherever I'm at. Right. That's just who I am. Oh yeah. And I mean, I would get all the time, like you need to smile more. You need to smile more. Like you come off bitchy or you come off, you know, a certain way, but it's like, I'm like, I'm not that way. I just like it. Take like I'm just not gonna just jump in and be. Do you like, know what my healing journey's brought to brought me to with that? What is that? It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Mm-hmm. I've really had to like. Don't get me wrong. There's some days that I still struggle with it, mm-hmm. but like listening to you, I'm like, we're doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. We're putting ourselves out here. Mm-hmm. 
we're letting people get into our minds and into <laughs> our lives and we're doing it because obviously, you know, there could possibly be money in it, but we genuinely want to help people mm-hmm. and we want people to know that they're not alone. Right. So, um, other than that, like, I think that's all we need to worry about. Like that's, you know, when you go in some place, like, you know who you are, that's the thing. Know your, you know, your character. Right. And no one else's opinion of you should define who you are. Right. And, and it's taken me a long, long time. Oh, girl, and I'm, I'm going mean, on 47 and yes. it's still not 100%. Girl, I'm about to turn 53. It's not and 100%. Is, so no. let me just tell everyone out here that's actually listening to us is that it's a lifelong journey. And if you have childhood trauma like that, like the thing is, is that, you know, people are like, oh, get over this, get over that. Some of it you may not ever get mm-hmm. over. Some of it you may always deal with on a daily basis. And I think that's okay too, mm-hmm. as long as you're moving forward. Right. Do you uh, still communicate with your mother? No. No, me either. No. I haven't probably talked to her. And she still sends cards. She sends gift cards. She sends all oh. this stuff. But I just, I. You poor thing. Yeah. No, I have. Throw no, it away. Yep. I do. I do. And she sends me, you know, apologies. Like my daughter will save some of that stuff. And, you know, she'll, she'll apologize for, um, you know, how horrible she treated me. It's just, you can't, um, I I would, I, I forgive and I can love a person, but at a distance, that doesn't mean that I have to engage with them or have a relationship with them. I'm a full believer of that because me forgiving them Mm -hmm. helps me. Right. It's for me. Yeah. It's for for me me. to forgive you. It's for me. It's not for you. It may sound selfish. Mm -hmm. But yes, in order for me to be able to deal with all my other things, like I forgive you. But just because you forgive someone doesn't mean that you have to continue that relationship no. with them and that you have to engage. Right. Yeah. Like I, 100%. Because I can tell you right now that I don't even talk to my siblings mm-hmm. because they still engage with my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, it's That to me is really hurtful. But you know what? I can't tell anyone else. Mm-hmm. I'm a full believer that everyone has their own paths Mm -hmm. and people have to learn on their own. Exactly. Even with our kids, I think you can agree. We can tell them stuff till we're blue in the face because we've been through it, but until they've actually experienced Mm -hmm. it, because those are the best lessons in life. Right. And it's, you know, they're the hardest ones, but they're the best ones. Like you're not going to forget that. (laughs) Right. I mean, cause you can tell somebody, you know, over and over, you know, this, this isn't good for you. This isn't, but until they learn the lesson themselves, um, yeah. That's, 100%. Yep. Yeah, we're all on our own journey. And, I agree. Yep. And that's where, that's the other thing is like what I want to put out here with our podcast is like, we're sharing all this like intimate information about ourselves because yes, again, I'm going to reiterate this. Like we don't want people to feel alone. Cause I know there's a lot of people that feel alone. Um, our society is to portray perfection mm-hmm. and, you know, and that we're all on this journey to heal, which we are, but that doesn't mean that the journey doesn't have obstacles oh. and it doesn't mean that like every day we're moving forward 100% because we're all human. And, um, just so you know, I feel like this is therapeutic for me and Michelle as well. A hundred percent talk. I mean, getting this stuff out and talking about it and, um, you know, I, I just think that 
sometimes you do feel so isolated. You do. And, but there are so many people out here that have gone through the same exact things, same issues. They're dealing with the same things that we're dealing with. Well, And it's like when I was in college and, and I ended up being an assistant teacher for whatever reason, mm-hmm. we know these things inside of us, but when we verbalize it to someone else, it sticks with us mm-hmm. more. You know what I mean? Oh, like, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've like realized, but like, since we've been sitting here, there's been like, like perspective on things that I didn't really look at that way before. Mm-hmm. I just think, you know, talking to another person and getting it out there and not feeling the shame about it. Yeah. Like I think for so long I felt like well, embarrassed. And, it is, it, you know, like. And that shame though has driven our lives. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. driven our lives. It it has. I mean, it I mean, has. It's, it's something that, you know, um, I think you have to fully be able to accept yourself and Mm -hmm. all your flaws and Mm -hmm. nastiness. I mean, we all have nastiness, whether people, (laughs) whether somebody wants to admit it or not, (laughs) we have some nastiness. Okay. And I think that like, you know, uh, talking about our childhood and stuff really puts kind of like the rest of your life in perspective when you look at it, you know, in hindsight, Mm -hmm. I think it really sets a stage. It's a huge foundation for who you are as a person, whether you want to be that person or not. It is. And, you know, I've read so much, you know, I just, you know, in the last couple of years, I've been on such this journey of healing and, you know, just kind of really just figuring out life and, um, you know, looking at a broader picture yeah. And, you know, understand, trying to understand this journey and, you know, like realizing and whether this is true or not, I don't know. It, it's what I believe is that if you don't deal with these issues now, right, that you carry them on. Well, and you're going to keep making next, the same mistakes over and over like again. Life will just keep handing you. It, it might not look the same exact way it does today. Right. But if you don't learn the lesson now, it's going to just keep repeating itself in a different form all the way. 100%. Well, I think that we're going to go ahead and tie this up for now. And our next, we're going to go ahead and continue this. And our next week will be going into how our childhood experiences and trauma have affected our intimate relationships. Oh my So we look forward to talking to y'all next time about our intimate relationships. Bye, everyone. Bye.